following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Do you remember renting movies from a local video store? The perfect video store. Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Is popping up all over the country. Do you remember owning membership cards, dealing with late fees, and driving to several stores for the latest release? Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each. Then sit back and listen to the stories of the men and women who were on the front lines of video stores in their heyday. Friendly people, fast computerized checkout, free membership, and all our rentals are for three days, two nights. This is Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. Hi, my name's Joe Corey. I worked at the Video Plaza on Kildare Farms Road in Cary, North Carolina, next to Raleigh, North Carolina. And I lasted there somewhere between 1993 and 1994. Hey guys, thanks for having me on the show. This is Brian. I am here to talk about my memories of uh, working at a place called Hollywood Video in a suburb of the Boston area from about 1998 to 2000. Hey, this is Matthew Corey. I worked at the Video Bar in Cary, North Carolina, back in uh, the summer of 1993 and 94. Hi, my name is Mark DeWitt from Holland, Michigan. I was a operator for 10 Blockbuster stores from 1989 to 1992. My name is Colin Fitzpatrick. I worked at the Mission Viejo, California location of Blockbuster Video in 2003. My name is W. Axel Foley, also known as Bill or Billy Foley, and I worked at the greatest video store ever in existence, World of Video at 51 Greenwich Avenue in Manhattan from 2001 until 2007. Hey, this is William Lanham, and uh, I worked at Blockbuster from 2005 to 2009 in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi, I'm Bob O'Rourke. I worked at Premier Video in Clinton, New Jersey and Princeton, New Jersey from 2000 to 2007. I'm Brandon Myers and I worked at Blockbuster Video in Millington, Tennessee from February 2001 to the end of 2002. My name is Alan Smith. I'm in Madison, Tennessee. and I worked for Movie Gallery from May of 1998 until May of 1999. Season 2, Episode 5, Secrets of the Staff. Do you have any wild stories about staff shenanigans? Oh, yeah. I mean, I like I said, I would put on movies that, you know, Night of Living Dead. Um, or uh, I would play much to the disapproval of of terry and i'm and i know he he still laughs about this i would play metallica live videos all the time in the store specifically i would pay attention to whenever there was going to be like some profanity and i would flip the ab switch so it would the picture would cut out for a second whenever there was something like that where i'd bring in my own stuff and i and i would become sort of unknowingly that guy that's like well i have something that you can't have and it wasn't intentional you know but i would bring in my own dvds and there was a movie called shockwaves with uh, underwater nazi zombies with uh peter cushing and john carradine and i would play that all the time and people would be like what is this movie on shockwaves you need to check it out and i'd show them the, the cover and everything and be like, oh this is cool be like can we rent this i'm like nah sorry it's my copy i don't know why i never said why don't we order this movie for the store it would be a great fit but 
for whatever reason we didn't. Yeah, we basically we just goof off and like put a uh, a movie on and watch it, you know. And I remember one time I actually took a page out of Clerks, and I remember one time it was at night time. I said I'm gonna mess around with the uh, computer system. On the computer system, we had like little screens, like you know, like, like when you see at a grocery store, it say like you know your total is seven forty nine. Well, we could put like messages on there, like people could <laughs> read it, like you know, like ask us about our whatever plan or something like. That. And uh, I put on there from Clerks, if you play in the steel, please let us know. <laughs> and I remember I had a couple people like, well, uh, I wouldn't tell you, you know. <laughs> and I remember like if there was a big sporting event going on, like the NFL playoffs or something, like we had like a TV in the back room, like a little small like CRT TV that I could actually pick up. And so like I would bring it in there. And this was back when we still had the antenna. I had like the antenna go in and watching the Packers play the playoff game, and I was, and I had to sit on the counter because like, it was a busy night, so I had to sit on the counter and behind us so like customers could see it. And everything. Nobody knew, you know, big shot corporate guys gonna come in, you know. So uh, I was like, I'm just gonna have it on. I'm not sure if they behaved that badly in the store. It felt like we were fairly regimented. Maybe it's because we were like corporate, you know, that, Mm -hmm. you know, we had a high level of ethics and professionalism and, you know, you wore a costume and it just felt like you were selling entertainment. But the shenanigans that I would see would be when um, employees would go on their lunch break and do crazy stuff outside the store. Like, you know, watch me do a burnout in my, you know, hot rod car and stuff like that. There was a time I stole a lot of stuff, and that was because I I was about to quit. I was actually, and this sounds so silly because this is not a justification, but I was getting Christmas presents, and I was getting Christmas presents, and I couldn't afford a whole bunch of them. And I remember getting like a bunch of like just movies and DVDs and stuff, and giving myself a generous discount, Um, and. I did that to get some gifts. So, um, so what was but, stealing versus using your discount to the extreme? Like, were you literally just pocketing things? Like, how? what was your method? <laughs> I pretended to ring things up at the register, and I didn't. <laughs> so, that, I mean, it was in good faith. This was, this was many years ago. I really just wanted to get presents for people. <laughs> and it's funny thinking about it now, because it really wasn't out of spite or anger or anything like that. It was just me being a kid. Like, it wasn't me going like, you know, F this place. I'm out of here. You Like, it wasn't like that, really. Like, it was just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Like, it was just this weird, arbitrary, like... I don't have enough money. Like, like this guy does like this very strangely arbitrary, like, I I can do this, you know, sort of a thing. And it wasn't, I don't even think it was out of malicious intent at all. Like, it was just this weird spur of the moment, hey, can I try this? This is like my first job kind of a thing. <laughs> so, For those listening, you don't know this, but Colin is my oldest friend. Like, we've known each other since we were very young, and so I, the only reason I assume I was not a recipient of one of those stolen items was that I was <laughs> out of the country in 2003. So otherwise, I may have gotten some Will Smith film on DVD. It might have been a Will Smith film. It, it was on 
honestly, my family, like, they're, they're expensive, okay? And <laughs> I had mom and a dad and a sister to get presents for. You wouldn't believe how many things they want. One time at the Princeton store, we were hanging some sign from the ceiling. And the ceilings in there were huge. They were really, really tall. And so we had this huge ladder out, and we're climbing up there. And, you know, we had the the panels in the ceiling and where we kind of lift up and we would like hook like a paper clip hook or something for the fishing line to hang a sign from the from the ceiling and at one point we lifted up the one of the panels and there was something hidden up in the ceiling somebody had hidden years prior some videos that they were going to steal i have no idea you know why they went through all the trouble to get this giant ladder out and hang it or you know yeah. climb up in the middle of the store and do that and they forgot about him it was like really and the uh, the manager at the time there and we kind of looked at each other like what the hell and she's like all right well um and she would look it up in the, in the system and be like wow this video is listed as mia from you know 15 years prior it was like oh okay <laughs> cool you know that is but, wild uh, wow yeah yeah and i mean you know like i said with um i i think too with uh the new releases i think actually Anne would actually take those home and i think she would probably copy them and keep them for herself you know <laughs> So I remember you remember me telling you about Bev. Like I said, yeah. she was probably like late forties, early fifties at the time, you know, somewhere in there. And um, she used to always complain about hating to go into the back room because she always said, you know, it's like I walk back in there with a stack of, of movies to put them up, and the people and the men that are in there because it was always men, uh, you know, they kind of like turn around with this look on their face like their mom just walked in on them or something, you know. So I would, you know, it was funny. It was one of those things that I would like. She would always. She was always like, "I really don't care to it." But the thing is, is that we had a uh, closed captioned camera that was back in the room, so we could make sure there was no real shenanigans going on that was under the counter. And so I used to enjoy like watching her go in there and basically watching like everybody that was in the room like try to stay a full like like a half room distance from her. Like all. <laughs> I went in there one night taking some stuff back, and I told she was working, and there was somebody else, and I told both of them, I was like, "Just watch the monitor." And so I walked in and I'm putting stuff up. And there was this one guy that like I saw him immediately that was in there. I was like, he looks really nervous. And so I was like, I'm going to have fun with this. Um, to answer your question earlier, I was usually the one that was causing some kinds of shenanigans in the store. Apparently so. so. <laughs> uh, e- even as the manager, I was always doing something. Everybody else was like, if it was me that did that, I know I'd have been fired by now. You know. So it was. Uh, I walked in. I saw this guy. He was really nervous. You know. And so I'm like putting the movies up, and I like I like walked over right next to him. And people, whenever in the adult room, whenever you would go in there, they would always they tried to keep distance from you. Always didn't matter. You know, male, female, whatever. They were just always because it's an uncomfortable thing you know and uh and i was like i kept like walking over like right next to him and putting movies up like hey man what's going on he was like hey nothing you know you like walk away (laughs) and i kept trying to like talk to him and he he was not having it and he he literally like ran almost around the room to get away from me at one point (laughs) and so i was like all right this is the last one in my head i'm going okay this is the last one so i walked over and he happened to be standing right next to the section where we had all of our um our gay videos you know and I I went walking over there and I'm putting something up and I'm like hey hey man he's like what you know and I reached over and grabbed like one of the and I was like hey man have you ever seen this (laughs) he's like no no why why would you think that I'm like oh no it's okay it's okay I'm not gay either but I'm telling you if you like this stuff this one's amazing (laughs) (laughs) and he came bolting out of the room which was all the way in the very back of the store 
straight to the front door and gone. I mean, just, you know, and I come walking out and Bev and I forget who the other person was over there are just rolling laughing. They're like, what did you do to him? I was like, I just asked him if he'd seen a video. That's all. (laughs) We were pretty loose. I remember somebody getting booted because they kept not showing up. And as I said, I would do, I would run adult films under the counter. Okay, I'll be honest with you. We had like Playboy, you know, those Playboy movies. You know, so they weren't hard. You know, it wasn't like nasty stuff. But I was like, what is on this tape? So I'd throw it on under the, nobody could see. I could only see. It was a high up counter. So nobody could look underneath and see what I was watching. I kept the volume off and stuff. And this is the interesting part. One of the tapes we had was Playboy. I believe it was called Inside Out. And and I watched it. You know, and it was okay. Yeah, it was, yeah, you know, it was Playboy stuff. So it was all soft and fuzzy and warm and not something you know that was going to terrify too many people. But it turns out. Then I went to the North Carolina School of the Arts. That's where I went after I finally quit the video store. And uh, my buddy who worked at the game show, who got me hired there, he was friends with the vice dean, and he got me basically in. So it was cool. But it turned out that the writer and director of one of the pieces on that Playboy Inside Out were teaching at the film school. (laughs) And you remembered the credit? How did you know? Well, I didn't. No, no. I remember the tape. I didn't know it was them until later when someone pointed it out. And I'm like, I know that film. But it was um, Daniel McKinney, who had worked for like a year as director of photography on uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Still not sure I ended up directing. And Laura Hart McKinney, who I don't know. Does that name ring a bell or not to you? That does, actually. I'm, I'm trying to place it in my brain. Who is that? O.J. Simpson trial. Oh. She was the woman who you tried to write a project using Mark Furman, the LAPD guy. Or L.A. detective, I guess. And she had all the tapes of Mark saying a bunch of really nasty stuff, which eventually, you know, she's the reason why OJ didn't go to jail, as I like to joke. I had to take a class under her because it was forced, and it was about researching and maintaining your notes. And all I kept thinking was, if only you couldn't do this, he'd be in prison. I was 17, and I was working as a third key and then eventually assistant manager, and I worked with several other guys about my age, you know, 16, 17, 18. And when we would close by ourselves, you know, I was professional in my job. We, we did a great job of getting the store closed and everything, but, you know, boys will be boys. So one of the things that we had slowly begun to do to each other was throw pins at each other. Now, Blockbuster would buy boxes of pins by the thousand. So we'd have this big box of, of Blockbuster pins uh, that was always sitting in the office. And somebody would grab a handful, take them to the front, and as somebody's fixing the movies on the wall, you know, they bend over and all of a sudden a pin hits in the butt. <laughs> and this went on for months, and it slowly escalated every time. You know, it went from like one pin being thrown to like ten pins being thrown, until this one night where it all just got out of control. And it started innocently enough with a pin being thrown, and then a pin being thrown back, and then another pin being thrown. Next thing you know, I'm in the office grabbing handfuls of pins, and, and this is it's right after we close, and we're having this epic pin war at you know 12:30, 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, we're diving behind shelves, and movies are getting knocked off shelves, and markers are going everywhere. Everybody's grabbing anything they can to throw at each other, and we're having a good time. We're all hot and sweaty, and just being crazy teenagers. When one of the gentlemen that I was working with happened to go to the front desk where we had you know cup holders for pins and pencils and we had a 
paint marker. I have no idea what it was for, but it was literally like a marker that would hold paint. And so he goes to throw it at my coworker, Matt, and it hits the floor and it bounces and it hits the gigantic glass window and it explodes. So this paint marker instantly just covers this huge window that's on the busiest street, you know, on this major highway that cuts through our town. Not only does the paint get on the window, it also gets in the carpet and it coats almost all of A Walk to Remember. That was the movie that just come out and it was right <laughs> at the end of the new release wall. So we're looking at each other like, oh, this just, you know, this went from being just trying to hurt each other with pins to, oh my God, we got to clean this up, <laughs> you know, and it's already really late. So then it turns into almost like a sitcom sketch where we had to go get a ladder and we got guys, you know, they're trying to wipe the, the window, but the paint's just smearing. You got somebody else on the floor trying to scrub the carpet. It's not working. Um, and a walk to remember, we had to take all of the boxes and take the shrink wrap off of every single one of them and re-shrink wrap them. And there was probably 40 or 50 tapes of this um, because they were all ruined. We didn't want somebody to come in and be like, why is there white stuff all over the walk to remember? But we, we got the most funky when the local police department, I guess, saw the lights were still on and were wondering what we were doing inside the store at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so as somebody's on the ladder and as we're like pulling these tapes down, the police car drives slowly through the parking lot, you know, turns the spotlight on us. And then I guess they see our blockbuster uniforms. They just drove off. <laughs> so it was it was a heck of a night and a night I'll always remember. Wow. And that was where I was going earlier. So like, obviously, I didn't want any evidence of that existing on the, the security cameras. So I would go in and I'd pull the tape and I would just rewind it and then hit record again. So it's missing like two hours of, t of, of footage that <laughs> night. But it's not like anybody's checking it. It's a, it's a VHS tape. So it's like nobody's going through this. <laughs> I remember we used to do fun stuff when there's no one around. They used to like teach all of us how to do something called like the Matrix Run, which was I mean that movie was obviously huge at the time. And there's a sequence where you know they run off of the wall and put their hand on the ground and run off the wall. So one of our staff members was teaching all of us how to do that, how to run full force, put her hand on the floor and run off the wall, as well as things like you know uh, flicking a penny, putting a penny in the in between your your middle finger and your thumb and flicking it across the room and seeing how far it can get. Uh, stuff like that. Those, those days are ingrained in my memory. So, I mean, these are all like kind of fun things, you know, and, and for me, I wasn't like really a full-time employee. I was an after-school employee. And the fact that I still had this much enjoyment and, and love for the place for a long time says something that there was something special with this particular store. So I do sort of have a soft spot for the Hollywood video franchise whenever I hear about it, talked about, you know, even though it's been years since they've really operated anything, but that's what I always kind of remember. There was one day when I think me and I think it was me, Daniel and Devin were in the basement and we decided to smoke a blunt instead of smoking a bowl. And we bombed out the entire store. Like it was, there was like smoke coming up the stairs. Like it was ridiculous. And I remember Mitch was just like, come on guys. I mean, seriously. And we were just like, sorry, dude. I never really got in trouble. I mean, there was, uh, there were a couple people who would get in trouble or somebody got fired because they just weren't doing anything, you know? They didn't care. But generally speaking, you know, it was just basically smoking weed that got people in trouble. I'm sure that there were people who stole or something like that. Honestly, I try to keep my nose out of that. 
And if I, I never noticed any of it going on or anything like that, because it would have been dumb to do that at that store. Mitch paid us very well and he treated us very well. And there was no reason to do that. So it didn't happen that much. So I think the people getting in trouble, it was mostly drugs, having your guy come in the store instead of meeting him down the street, stuff like that. The biggest thing that we had problems with was hiring people who just didn't show up for work one day. Uh, that happened. I mean, that's retail. You, you get that. Um, we had, um, of course, we had to do inventory every month. And uh, and that was literally was one of those things we did it while the store was open, you know, and we had that really long corded, you know, scanning gun that just like you would just about kill yourself with it every, you know, trying to get to all of the, the stuff in there. And uh, I remember Mike, I had done all but like one section, a couple of sections or something like that. I was like, hey, man, make sure and scan these out. And then yeah, and I had everything laid out there for him to run the program at the end of the night and he didn't do it and like i walked in opening the next day and immediately was hit with a phone call from corporate wondering where my my inventory was uh and of course i went in there and like wait a second you know i had to like send it real quick and they're like okay cool we got it and because of um one of the guys uh the guy chuck that like swindled all the money it was funny because he swindled all the money after he had been fired because he kept like coming around, but what happened was that he got into an argument with one of the other like he was a little, as we would say these days, a little extra, and uh, it was one of those things where like he was Diane was still the manager at the time, and she asked him to train a, a new employee on the register, and they got into it about something. I, I don't know. I wasn't there when it happened but i mean that they, they got into i mean just like screaming at each other and you know in the middle of the store and um he threatened to quit and all this kind of stuff and she told him well if you're gonna quit then just go ahead and leave you know and and you're fired and and then you know she wound up coming up there and and you know finishing out the training and that kind of stuff but then he kept coming around and then like i said he swindled a bunch of money we did have a situation with um we, we had this program that we would run like once a week, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was basically if a movie was scanned in uh, at the register for, um, like, say somebody wants to rent it, and then you get all the way down to the actual point of sale, you know, like where you're getting ready to, uh, to check out, but then – but then if like the the person the uh, person running the register would back out of that and take the movies off they kept a record of uh, of that kind of stuff and then the specific report that would run was to see movies that did that and then got scanned back in as a return because what one of the scams was that people would do is that they would go all the way down to that and then hand the movies over to the people you know across the counter and say okay they'll be due back on such and such date without closing out the sale and then going back in and deleting the movies or you know like a couple of the movies or whatever so that it would show that the transaction was for a lesser amount of money and then pocket what was left over and so that was one of those we did have somebody get fired because their till kept came up with several of those and you know, I was just like, hey, why is this movie being returned to us that was never rented out? But it was at the point of sale at one point, uh, you know. What behind the scenes details can you share about how the business of rental stores operated that most customers probably wouldn't realize? 
I think just the sheer numbers that you had to order, like with a new release, like something like, I don't know, like Gladiator when that came out, you know, I'm sure um, Kevin had to order X amount of copies. You know, I mean, we would always, you know, laugh and joke about Blockbuster having, you know, 47 copies of the latest Fast and the Furious movie. And that's where you would go if you want that. If you want something that's a little off the beaten path, like a racer head, come to our store. But yeah, I mean, you would have to order so many copies and they would have to keep them a certain amount of time before they were able to start selling them as previously viewed and make some room for other new releases and i mean god the, the sheer amount of some of those titles that we would have the new releases was just especially when it was just vhs we have so many copies of some of these movies and one of the funny stories regarding new releases in vhs was et when that came out Obviously, years before I started working at the store, Kevin, the owner, had bought, I don't know how many copies, like boxes and boxes and boxes. And in 2000, when I started there, he was still he still had VHS, original VHS release copies for sale that he was discounting because he couldn't get rid of them. Wow. I, <laughs> I think to this day, he still jokes that he still has at least one or two boxes of E.T. videos in his garage. It's just... <laughs> I, for a year, was on the inventory team, and what we would do was, it was a group of three of us. It was, uh, my buddy joined it, and that's how I got on. Like, he worked at my store, and he went to do it, and then eventually I said, okay, I want to do this because you would work four days a week, and you'd get Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. And, uh, and what we would do was, we would go to, like, each store in the region. So I basically went to every blockbuster in my city from like 50 miles up and down, you know, like I went to every blockbuster basically. And uh, what we would do was we would get there before the, um, the store closed, like at eight o'clock. And so like during that time, we would just count the candy and the drinks, you know, the inventory, stuff that we could you know, actually do before the store closed because we couldn't do the movies yet because people were written movies. So we count drinks, candy and stuff. And then after the store closed, what we would do was we would grab like these big long like scanners and then we'd have a long cord and we would hook them into the computer and we would go out to like the wall and like we would scan the movies like you know for inventory like just scan but every movie had a barcode on it so you just scan it and what you would do is you put on these headphones and if the movie would like just go beep once that it's good but if it did like a double beep you throw it on the floor so that means like it's either not checked in it went somebody missed it when they returned it or you know it's not inventory and so um we would do that all night that would take like all night because we'd have to scan every single movie in the store wow so after that when you were finished we'd pick up all the movies that we we just throw on the floor that you know double beat and what would happen is they would print out like everything we missed like everything that was missing in the inventory and sometimes like these stores would be like we go to stores that are like so messed up, like just junk and piled everywhere. Like the managers don't take care of it. I'm like, everything's out of order. I'm like, how am I supposed to uh, do inventory with all this stuff out of order? You're supposed to have your store in order for us. But they knew we were coming in advance, you know. So uh, what would happen was like, and like some of these stores would be like, after everything, we're like, you're missing $50,000 worth of product. Whoa. Yeah. Cause like eventually towards the end, we would sell like PlayStation 3s. And like video game systems, you know, like we had expensive stuff. Yeah. You know, and sometimes like we would have like managers like 
they'd order pizza and stuff for us during the night. Like, hey, you know, like trying to butter us up. Like, hey, ah. hey I, I can get pizza here. <laughs> hey, you know. so just to forget about those three PlayStation 3s that are missing, you know. Like so many video stores, we had a gumball machine up at the front, okay? And what we would do when we would fill the gumball machine is we had these little pieces of uh, tinfoil that we would put on certain gumballs. And so if you bought a gumball and you got one that had the tinfoil on it, you got a free rental. And it was a free rental of anything in the store, okay? So I'm, I'm telling this story to set up what happened here. So one Friday night, I will never forget this. I have told this story so many times. One Friday night, I'm working, and my help was running late, and we had, it was Anthony was working that night. When he got there, there literally was a line going all the way down the middle of the store, almost to the, uh, like, at least three quarters of the way to the back wall. One in mine, and then, and then part of that broke off whenever Anthony got there, so we had, like, you know, two long lines, and we're trying to get people through, and, you know, and, of course, you know, there's kids running around, and there's people who are getting upset, and blah, 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 blah. So this husband and wife come up to the counter, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know, I'm scanning this stuff in. I pull up there. I, I scan their card. It comes up, and I see that there is a late charge, okay? So if there's a late charge, what it would say on the, on the screen, it would have the name of the title, you know, and then, like, how many days late because, of course, you know, they accrue over time. You know, it's so much for how many days, whatever. This one was only one day late, but it was an adult title. And then that's all it said was adult title. They wouldn't put the names of them in the uh, <laughs> because some of them got the some of them got really raunchy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it just said adult title. And I was like, "There's a lot of people around. I'm gonna try to be as discreet about this as possible." So I'm like, "Hey, um, you've got a, a late charge, you know?" And and both of them had like these shocked looks on their face, you know. And uh, the wife, um, she was like. There shouldn't be a uh, late charge, you know. What, what's the movie? And I was like, um, it doesn't say. And she's like, why doesn't it say? I was like, because it's an adult title. <laughs> and she's like, oh no, you're gonna take that off. There's no way. There is no way. You know, I mean, like, just, I mean, just going. I cannot believe. I would never. I would be too embarrassed to rent something like that. Blah blah blah. You know, everybody say. And so I'm like, I'm looking at her, and the husband is kind of standing just behind her, off to her right side. And I'm kind of looking at him because I've already put two and two together here. Of He rented it at some point. She didn't know about it because we used to get a lot of this kind of stuff. And he didn't get it back in time. And I'm looking at him, and in my head, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to like telepathically be like, dude, just give me, give me a wink or something that she can't see, and I will try to make this as easy as possible, <laughs> you know. But no, he was doubling down on it like just doubling down so this goes on for a while and i'm like and it got even worse because like when was it rented and i told her she's like i can't imagine that would happen i was out of town when that happened and i'm like oh no that's exactly what it is so i mean after like i'm like ma'am i'm sorry i can't you're gonna have to pay this if you want to rent i can't make this go away and she's like well i want to talk to the manager i'm like i am the manager she's like well you know this is this is dom your computer obviously messed up or somebody rented it that wasn't supposed to blah 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 she's like who rented it i was like i don't know i can't tell because it didn't tell who rented it would just said it was it was a rental you know but i noticed that the payment method on it was a gumball payment which meant that we had a record of it because whenever you got that, it was one of those things that we would print out a receipt and we would have the person who, who would rent it to sign the receipt. And then we had all of those receipts in boxes in one of our back rooms. 
And of course, I didn't really want to go digging through all that stuff, but at this point, I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I've, I, I, he's doubling down and won't, and won't just come clean, or, or won't even give me the, hey, come on, dude, just help me out here, you know, nod or, or wink or whatever. And she is adamant that this would never happen. I was like, all right, give me just one minute, just, just one minute. I promise we'll, we'll have this all settled. And she was like, okay, fine. You know, of course, we got there's people like all over the store. And they're all enjoying this drama, believe me. I'm looking over, you know, at all of our customers, and you know, and they're they're like, you know, they're they're talking to each other and kind of smiling and, and snickering because they've all figured out what's going on as well, you know. So I go in the back, and I find the month, you know, that, that it was rented in. I start digging through, and I find it. Sure enough, it's, it's dude's signature on there. <laughs> so I come walking back to the front of the store. And she's still she's like, I just I can't believe it. I'm telling you this is this is wrong. Your system's wrong, blah, blah, blah. And I just hold it up. And I said, do you recognize the signature? And her face went white. She went from this is not our fault. You need to fix this to pale white to pure apology to sheer anger when she looked at her husband oh, <laughs> in the matter of two seconds, you know. And then she she reverted back to, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Yeah, we'll pay this. We'll blah, 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 blah. I mean, just. <laughs> we'll pay this and he'll pay for this. Exactly. <laughs> but again, if dude had just given me the be cool, you know, nod or something, you know, like we all know it. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> but he refused. He doubled down. This didn't happen. You know, <laughs> that is wild. Well, I mean, at that time, I had no idea how much the tapes cost. I always thought they just jacked up the price when you lost it. You know, Blockbuster said, you owe us $100. I'm like, ah. But no, the tapes were pretty pretty expensive. So it was like, you know, and you had to turn those tapes over pretty quick to get your money out of them. Because, I mean, you know, it was like $100, and we were charging, uh, you know, I think, I want to say it was like 350 or something a night for the new tapes. And so, you know, if that tape didn't basically leave the store every day for a month, you know, you're running in the red on it. So, you know, that that was part of it. Um, I think just realizing that how, how much space the tapes took up, you just never had a feeling that you could really build up a decent library at a place like that. And, and plus try to build up a decent clientele that wants to find older titles. We did a lot of our business on new tapes, and we actually had video games. I want to say the Nintendo 64 was the big unit at that time. So we had, like, clay fighting and all that stuff. And, the, and you know, those... But it was all about, you know, you had to keep those shelves empty. I think people don't understand that. That if you walked into a store and everything you wanted was there, we weren't doing a good business. It's not like what became when Blockbuster made the deal where they were going to split rental income with the studio so they didn't have to pay up front for any of that junk. Yeah. Uh, and so that was that. And, and so that was one of the bigger things I learned. And, uh, and just, you know, and, and how much we need to get those damn tapes back. Two of the interesting things about at least working at Blockbuster that people didn't realize is, one, you could actually come in and special order movies. If there was something we didn't have and you really wanted to watch it, you could actually come up and request it. And depending on you know who you asked or who was working, we may order it for you. After I had been working there several months, my, my the store manager was not a huge movie buff. Once she realized I had a little bit more movie knowledge than she did, she actually gave that responsibility to me. So I had $300 a month I could spend on special orders. And that included tapes for the store. So if I saw that we were missing something in our library, I would put down the order. I'd look up the order number, I'd put it down, and then hopefully we would get it. The two big movies that always come to mind are Mallrats and Scarface. They were two of the most stolen movies 
of the time. <laughs> and so they were almost impossible to keep in stock. And actually Scarface, when I was really going through the ordering, it, hit, it was actually out of print. So I would order it every single month hoping it was coming in and it never would. But if we ever did get a copy of either one of those movies, it would be there like maybe a week or two and then it'd be gone forever. So I was always ordering Scarface and Mallrats and then whatever else might come up, which I, it was a little self-serving because after a while I'd be like, huh, you know, well, I still got an extra 50 bucks to spend. What do I want to watch? You know, and so it was really nice. The other blockbuster thing that people didn't realize was the rewards account actually had a gold level membership. And I do believe towards the end of Blockbuster, you might could have paid for it. But early on, the only way to become a gold member was to rent X amount of movies and X amount of days. I know I don't know exactly what the the algorithm was for it, but we actually got it. My, my dad actually got it on his card in 1995, right before GoldenEye came out. I wanted to watch every James Bond movie because I had never seen one. And I was really excited for, for GoldenEye. So we went to Blockbuster and every weekend I'd pick up two or three Bond tapes and I would rent it. And I guess we ended up renting, it was, they said the second most tapes that month, you know, with, with my tapes plus my dad's. And so a month later we get this nice envelope. It had two passes for an advanced screening of Jumanji. And then it had our Blockbuster gold count. And the gold account really didn't do too much, but the one perk it offered that was rarely used, it was the only way to get movies saved for you at Blockbuster. So if you were to call Blockbuster on Friday morning and go, hey, you have a copy of The Rock. I want to rent it tonight. Could you save it for me? Our answer would be no, we don't save movies. But if you were a Blockbuster Rewards Gold member, will you call and ask for The Rock and we would save the movie for you? That was the only way we were allowed to save movies for anybody. So was that part of your training? Like, were you aware of that? Like, not just from personal experience, but when you started working at the store, did they tell you that? Like, this is something that might happen? I believe my manager mentioned it in passing when I actually had showed her my gold card. Um, <laughs> I, could, I, w I rented my two free movies and then I wanted to rent additional movies. So I was just going to pay to rent them. And she's like, oh, you know, you can save movies, right? And I'm like, huh? And she's like, well, of course you can save movies now. You're an employee. And she's like, but you know, you can call and we'll, in any blockbuster will save movies for you. And I was like, I had no idea. Wow. <laughs> so, I'm an actual gold card member on the show. Oh, yes. I wish I still had that gold card. I know, that'd be <laughs> worth a pretty penny. That's, uh, that's powerful. Bet you most customers just thought it was all fun and games. And clearly, you know, there's a business model behind it. And I think a lot of folks didn't realize, you know, how serious sometimes it did get in terms of making sure we would have to push certain things. We had to push for uh, the movie Munchie Combo, which is, I think, was two tapes, two popcorns, a candy, and a soda for like $10. They want to make sure we kind of upselled the customers just to maintain our our business uh, model you know so I mean that kind of stuff sort of like when you're just trying to be there have fun after school you don't when you're young like I was you don't always think about that kind of thing but I mean maybe that's what I would say some customers wouldn't realize about you know yes they're you know it's a fun place to visit but there's very serious things about it clearly you're a librarian you know I think a lot of people saw video stores as retail work and unfortunately, that is because of places like Blockbuster. And I don't want to make fun of Blockbuster too much because I'm sure that you've, and I've listened to some, there's people who have come on here or, or and people I've talked to who loved working at Blockbuster. Just my particular experience wasn't great. And I know for a lot of people, Blockbusters were the kind of local store, you know? And they were probably run maybe like World of Video. Who knows? Each each place is individual. Each person is different individually. So I can't judge that 
you know, I don't want to sound so anti whatever, you know, but I think that's it. Just, just the encyclopedic knowledge that if you, I think I did, I know Sean did, I know Devin did, I think Pete, I know Tony too. We loved film. This was not just a passing fancy. This is like part of our lives and still is and has been my entire life. I worked in film and television. I've written about it. I've podcasted about it. It is what I love. And I took it seriously to work at the store. So I think if there's one thing people didn't know is how much so many of the people who worked at these stores loved them and would have worked there for free. I mean, quite honestly, I go to the store on days off all the time, all the time. When I was talking about training and interviewing in the back room, we had certain titles that we would in, in the break room that were going to get pulled to eventually go on previously viewed, you know, whether they were, you know, some random VHS that hasn't been rented in 10 years, you know, we're just going to get rid of it. And the funny thing was, I remember these guys came into the store one time in Clinton store. I'm like, oh man, there was this this horror movie that was filmed in Frenchtown, New Jersey, my, my town, my hometown. I was like, so, you know, I perked my ears up and was kind of eavesdropping on their conversation. And they're like, yeah, it's called Video Violence. And I'm like, why do I know that name? Why do I know that title? And I go in the back room and sure enough, there it was on the shelf, ready to go out for previously viewed. And I'm like, whoa, I need to get this movie. <laughs> and, you know, so I set it aside for myself and, and uh, eventually, you know, bought it at whatever discount I had. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was mind blowing to see my, my hometown in circa 1986, you know, as I remembered it from back then. As I had said before, there was, uh, you know, on Tuesday mornings, we had to make, you know, late calls. And usually, like I said, you, you were leaving phone messages. And so um, I, I this one Tuesday morning I came in and I had admittedly been out late drinking the night before and I was hung over and I was not in a good mood. And. I've made several phone calls or whatever. And I get to this one. I'll never forget this. Of course, it goes directly to the to the uh, the answering machine, and this annoying music starts playing. And I'm like, "What is that?" I mean, because I've got a headache as it is. I'm like, "What is this?" And I all and, and like after like a, a, a couple of bars, I'm like, "Oh man, this is church music." Like, you know, it was like an organ, you know, whatever. And the, and the woman, she's like, comes on and she's like, blessed is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, thank you so much for calling, you know, the whatever the name of the, the family was, you know. Uh, we hope that you're having a blessed day. And, and, you know, please leave a name and number and we'll get back to you as soon as possible, you know. And may God bless you in everything that you do and blah, 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 blah. As I said, I was in a particularly foul mood that morning. And they had rented an adult movie. <laughs> so our policy whenever they had rented an adult movie was that you didn't say the number of the movie on the, the answering machine or whatever it is. You just said you have a movie that is – you didn't even say adult movie. You just said you have a movie that that's late. Please give us a call or whatever. <laughs> I heard the beep, and I was like, hey, this is uh, Alan at the video place. I was just calling to let you know that, and I said the full name of the movie is <laughs> – and um, we would appreciate it if you get it back to us as soon as possible. You have a blessed day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Are you still friends with any employees that you worked with? Yeah, actually, like, the best thing that 
come out of, of me working there was that I developed friendships there that are still going on with a, a couple of my buddies. Like, you know, it's been, you know, uh, how long has it been? 12 years since I stopped working there. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I used to, de uh, I've developed a lot of friendships and uh, we used to have a lot of fun. Like the store manager, he was a big, uh, and I live in Jacksonville, Florida, so we have the Jaguars, the NFL team. And we would go to Monday night football games, you know. He had season tickets, and we'd just have a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was just so much fun, you know. And we'd all go, like, if there was a big movie coming out, like, I remember we all went to see The Departed on when it uh, premiered. And we all went and saw The X-Men 3, The Last Band, you know. And we all went, you know, just stuff like that. So we you all guys got were together. a crew. You were a group. Right, we were a group, so it's like, we didn't have much turnover, like, employees coming and leaving, you know, so, like, we pretty much stuck together that whole time, you know, like, people stayed there for, like, three, four years, you know, five years. What's been interesting over the last five to ten years is that some of my former colleagues have now become LinkedIn friends or, or Facebook friends. I was at a bar before I went to go see The Who three years ago and uh, ran into the guy that was my the video game buyer for me and he looked me in the eye i looked at him and he was like we know each other and then we started playing bingo and we had a great time because i'm like awesome. dude you, you saved my butt so many times because i was so over my skis with that genre uh absolutely not <laughs> well i mean the thing was i i after i wrapped up working i finally quit working it there so I could go to film school. And film school, it was North Carolina School of the Arts. It's out in uh, Winston-Salem. And actually it was it was cool because two of my classmates were uh, were Jody Hill and Danny McBride. So, oh, wow. And actually David Green was there too, except we didn't call him Gordon back then. <laughs> uh, and who else was there? Um, the guy who played Meta Soprano's boyfriend on, on the, the Sopranos, he was in the acting school. And Craig Zobel, who did uh, that uh, Mayor of Easton, uh, series for HBO and the hunt and stuff. He was in my class, so it was a, it was a good class of people. But yeah, so you know, once I moved out of uh, Raleigh and went to there, I, you know, there was no, there was no going back. Um, and, you know, what's funny was when I finally had to move out, I ended up for looking for I needed boxes, and just on a whim, as I was driving, I drove by the old bookstore, and that's when I realized they were they were going out of business. But I still swiped some boxes from there because the the manager had already been fought, let go. And uh, I knew, you know, they had already brought in the uh, liquidation staff to get rid of stuff. And uh, a, a woman I knew there, she was still uh, working there. And she was like, sure, Joe, have some boxes, grab them. And I was like, cool. So, but uh, as far as the video store goes, no. At the video store, and I looked it up. I'm not sure when it went out of business, but it turned into a boxing gym. They somehow stuffed a boxing ring in there for a workout place or something. Uh, the oh. bookstore turned into a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> I kept in contact with several people um, when I was still on social media. I haven't been on social media the last few years, so I, I lost contact with them. However, one of my best friends who I speak to every single day, I met, I trained him at Blockbuster, and we we still talk about the old days all the time. Um, even on my birthday last year, he sent me a nice birthday wish in the morning, and he was like, I wish I could give you the one thing I know you really want, which is working another shift at Blockbuster with me. <laughs> like, I couldn't ask for anything more. <laughs> so yeah, I think I got a lifelong friend out of my time at Blockbuster. I mean, it was at that time, where we really sort of didn't keep in touch as much because you know, I was still going to school. And 
you know, anybody who was really close with, they ended up leaving before me kind of thing. So I do still remember some of my colleagues there. And um, yeah, you know, if, if folks had wanted to stay in touch, you know, I wouldn't have minded that. But there's really just a couple kids that I've been like, you know what, this kid was cool or this guy was cool. I wouldn't mind because we all, you know, when you're working in that kind of a business, whether it's a video store or a toy store, which I did later on as well, you start learning likes and dislikes and go, okay, this guy is a lot like me. He likes this director. He likes this kind of movie. You almost become kind of friends by default in, in a weird way. And I think that's another thing that's fascinating about the video store idea, the whole, it's like this shared, you know, it's, you're working in a business that's about hobbies, basically. You know, it's about your passions. And that kind of really creates a lot of friendships. So I bet you other people on, on the show really would talk about becoming friends with some of these coworkers. For me, it wasn't so, but I was also a little younger, a little more shy at the time as well. I don't get to talk to everybody, but I still do keep in contact with a lot of people whether it's through Facebook, texting, whatever. Sean and I do podcasts. I support his podcast big time. Devin is doing great. He, he's a great rapper. I mean, Tony, I still talk to on Facebook all the time. Tony's the best. <laughs> I can't give you any Tony stories because Tony's got to give you the Tony stories one day. But uh, he is a force of nature. And uh, yeah, these guys really taught me a lot. We had a lot of great times together. And um, I, I have nothing but love for all of them and nothing but love for the store and for the customers. Here's a preview of the next episode coming up on Rental Return Season 2. What are your memories of video stores closing in your area? It was sad to see a lot of the rental stores go. The owner that owned the video bar when I worked there, they sold the franchise around 2000. So he got out right before DVD was really taking over and VHS was dying out. The store was not doing that great. It had to become smaller and smaller and smaller. They rented a smaller place. They cut it in half and in a quarter. And I remember the manager from from Blockbuster walking in with a big stack of like DVDs and Blu-rays. And I'm like, hey, what's all this? He's like, well, they're closing my store next week. I'm like, okay. And in my mind, I'm going, am I buying stolen stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Rental Return is created by Adam Pope and produced by Jason Gross in association with The Retro Network. Connect with our Season 2 video heroes on social media by finding the links in today's show notes. Also follow TRN Social on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to see pictures of our video heroes in action back in the day. If you're a former video store employee and want to chronicle your experience for an upcoming season of Rental Return, connect with Adam Pope on Twitter at Kulander or email him at hojukulander at gmail.com. Links also provided in today's show notes. Avoid late fees by subscribing to Rental Return in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to share your membership with a friend or family member. Discover more retro podcasts by visiting theretronetwork.com forward slash podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.